listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. And upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, Give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here am I dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father. And I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a far way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him, and his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Let us rejoice with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebrations began. 
Now the older son had been out in the field and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, look, all these years I served you and did not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fatted calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Welcome. Praise God. I love that story. It's wonderful from Luke chapter 15, sometimes known as the parable of the prodigal son, sometimes known as the parable of the forgiving father, sometimes known as the parable of the sourpuss older brother. <laughs> and it's such a great story. And there are so many details in there. Um, I probably have heard a million sermons or presentations on this, given a few myself, and still there's so many details there that Jesus is teaching us about God. And it's kind of interesting in the liturgy today, Mother Church is placing that passage with the first reading, which is the story of the children of Israel rebelling against God with the golden calf. The Lord had sent Moses to, to deliver them, to liberate them from slavery in the land of Egypt. And on their pilgrimage through the desert to the promised land, Moses goes up the mountain to speak with God and the people rebel. And they, they have this golden calf that they make, which is a, it's idolatry, it's a false god. It's one of the gods of Egypt this sign of this bull is a sign of um, fertility. And uh, one commentator said that, you know, the Lord brought the people out of Egypt, but it was harder to bring Egypt out of the heart of the people. You know, they, they had been in that culture for 400 years. And if you put these two stories together, it suggests kind of a, a theme which I would like to preach on today, and that is the image of God. The image of God. Um, the golden calf was a false image of God. It was idolatry. And Jesus here reveals to us the image of God of a loving and forgiving father. Um, and, it's, and it's kind of interesting um, to, to kind of think of it in those terms. Um, sometimes people want to say that the Old Testament God is a God of anger and punishment and the New Testament God is a God of love and mercy and forgiveness, which is actually not true at all. The God of the Old Testament is the same God as the God of the New Testament. 
It's the same God. And from the beginning until the arrival of Jesus, it's been revealed that God does care about good and evil. He does care about sin, but he wants to forgive. He is a loving, merciful father. And with the coming of Jesus, the fullness of who God is has been revealed. And it kind of begs a question, which I propose for all of us to think about today. And that is, what is your image of God? When you think about God, what do you think about? We all have images of God, don't we? Um, sometimes your image of God has a lot of connections to your parents. You're growing up as a child, you know, mom and dad, particularly your father, and uh, you can't help but that those relationships have an impact on your relationship with God, with your image of God and what you think he's like. I remember when I was a kid, I had a, a Bible comic book. So these little comic books, it was the Bible, it was a lot of fun. And I remember there was some image of God as this old man with a white beard. <laughs> okay. So, you know, so we have that image, obviously. Um, but the image of God, um, so important to think about that. And um, so to share with you some of the details of uh, the parable here, again, I encourage you, if you've never done it before or if you have, to to spend some time praying and pondering this story. And I've done that many times. And you know, when you pray with something, you want to invite the Holy Spirit to lead you to a, a deeper place because there's a, a word or a message that the Lord wants to speak to your heart, even allowing your own imagination to be engaged as you pray with the text. And um, I wanna share with you a couple of ideas that came to me as I was praying one of which was, where is the mother? She's not mentioned, right? She's not mentioned, we don't know. But I was praying and I was using my imagination to think, I wonder if baby the mother had died. And this story is happening the morning after the funeral. And you know, I was thinking how many people have gone through a difficult experience like losing a loved one and feeling so pain, so, so much pain, they walk away from God because of that pain. It can happen. Um, and I was thinking and looking at this, and I was thinking, like, what if the story had gone differently? You know, what if the story had gone differently? You know, the son, uh, when he tells the father, give me my inheritance. Your inheritance is something that you get when your parents die. So in this essence, we should feel the impact of that statement for that culture. It's almost as if the son is saying to the father, I wish you were dead already. Give me what's coming to me. And you could imagine, what if the story had been different where the father would be like, oh, you're dead to me. I'm gonna rewrite my will. And now you're getting nothing, <laughs> you know? That could happen, right? The image of like a father who would be, you know, angry and vengeful, you know? and. Um, I was thinking about what if the son, you know, he goes off to this far land, he's at the, the, the farm for pigs, and we have to understand for the Jewish people, the pigs are a dirty animal. You know, they have this kosher dietary laws where they were not allowed to eat pork. And so for a Jew to be a pig farmer 
really is, is like this guy has hit rock bottom. And we're told that he wanted to eat the food that the pigs were eating. That is even lower still. I mean, he is at rock bottom. And I was thinking, what if the father had commanded the older brother to fly an airplane into the pig farm and kill everybody? We know today is September 11th, and myself, some of the other friars, we were there. In the days after 9-11, I was standing on the heap, praying with people, part of the, the um, spiritual response to that, and I'll never forget standing there and being confronted with the fact that there are people who have that image of God, a God that would ask us to commit violence or murder in his name. Again, this is a false image of God. It's idolatry. Um, and so the story continues and um, reveals to us uh, in some way of highlighting what the true image of God is, the true image of God. And um, so I want to conclude with a little story which kind of ties the whole thing together and uh, to make a couple of points here. So... About five years ago, I was given a gift card to a restaurant. And I'm not gonna tell you the name of the restaurant, it's not important, but I was given a gift card. And this gift card was sitting in the bottom of my backpack for like five years. It's not the kind of place I would normally go. Okay, so, you know, about half a year ago, six months ago, Brother Pius and I got a new assignment we're now the chaplains here at the shrine. We're here serving at the shrine and just so loving it, loving it. So recently, Brother Pius and I were thinking about this gift card that I've had forever. And whenever we would be driving somewhere and we would pass this restaurant, we have a little inside joke that we would say. We would talk to the restaurant and say, we're coming for you. <laughs> you know, we have a date with destiny. We're going to come get, visit you, you know. So here the other day, we finally had an opportunity to go catch a little meal and use this gift card. So we go over there, and again, I'm not gonna tell you what it is, okay. And uh, the food really wasn't that great, <laughs> okay. But we were there and there was a, a waitress, and um, she, she was a nice lady. She was kind of like what you would think of as this like diner type waitress. It was not the diner, okay. You know, she called people honey, you know, do you want some more coffee, honey, or whatever, it was like perfect. But I noticed that she had a lot of tattoos, and you know, tattoos are kind of a thing right now. And at some point during the meal, I finally could see that on her neck, in very beautiful writing, she had tattooed the words, trust no one. And it really kind of shocked me. And ever since that day until now, I've been praying for her. And I've been wondering, like, what happens to a person where they feel like they would like to tattoo on their neck in a place where you can't hide it, the words, trust no one. And I'm guessing that she's maybe been through a lot of suffering and difficulty and trial. And I've been praying for her. And so I share that story with you to invite you to join me in praying for her, but not only her, but let her be as like... Um, a symbol of all the people in the world who have been hurt or wounded 
and who feel like they can't trust anybody. And to be honest with you, as I've been praying with her, I was thinking about this parable, and I've been thinking about that beautiful image of the divine mercy Jesus. You know, the the image of the risen Jesus who has the red and the white rays coming out of his heart, that beautiful devotion that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina, that Polish nun who had those visions. And there's the image that he told her, have this painted. And at the bottom of the image, he told her to have the words, Jesus, I trust in you. And the graces that Jesus promised that he would give for people who pray with this devotion, the chaplet of divine mercy, the novena of divine mercy, um, the grace to trust God more. And in that diary, Jesus reveals to St. Faustina that the sin that wounds his heart more than any other sin is a lack of trust. A lack of trust. And, she, and Jesus is complaining to St. Faustina in that diary, and he says to her, what more can I do to convince you of, that I love you? What St. Paul tells us, this saying is trustworthy. Jesus came to save sinners. And on the cross, he gave everything to convince us that he loves us that he wants to forgive us our sins and that he, he longs to have a close and intimate relationship with each one of us. How beautiful is that? But brothers and sisters, that invitation is there for all of us. And it's up to each one of us whether we will accept or reject that invitation. And you know what relationships are like. They require work. Are we willing to put in the work to do what we need to do to come closer to God through prayer? Think of Holy Mass and confession, the rosary, the devotions that Mother Mary asked for at places like Fatima, these things that are given to us so that we could come closer to God that we could be forgiven and healed of our sins because it is our sins that distance us from God. And so there, there is an invitation here for all of us, which is really very beautiful, very beautiful, to be healed of any false images that we may have of God, any um, demonic idolatry, you think about that story from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, and you look at the tactic that the devil took, right? When he tempted them, he was planting seeds of doubt that God is not trustworthy. Did God really tell you not to eat that? Do you know why? It's because he knows that if you eat it, you'll become like him. See, it's a seed of doubt. God is not trustworthy. And that, that tactic of doubting that God is trustworthy is, is there behind every false image, every demonic deception and idolatry. And in the midst of that, Jesus puts before us the true image of the forgiving Father who, who waits for us. Um, and I'll conclude by noting that in the Old Testament, the golden calf 
is the example par excellence of the false image of God. And in the parable of the prodigal son, did you note what the father did when the son finally returns home? He had the calf slaughtered. And it's almost as if the true image of God is now triumphing over the false image of God. The, the loving, forgiving Father who welcomes us, who invites us, who is ready to forgive us and draw us close. If only we will accept his invitation. Amen. listening to from the friars podcast the community of franciscan friars the renewal please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media cfr underscore franciscans mm-hmm.